everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about finally eliminating screen problems in their home. Happy New Year. We are so glad you are here today, and it's so good to be back. And this is Melanie Hempy, and I have Dr. Stacy with me. Welcome to the new year, Dr. Stacy. Hey, Melanie. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. We are so thrilled to be back. You know, aren't we? We've just had this break, and I don't know what happens during the holidays. I, I don't know about you, but in my house, things are chaotically fun. We have so much fun, and it's just kind of hard to get back in the groove. But boy, am I excited to share this podcast today and what we have for y'all. So if you're new, welcome. This is a great New Year's resolution that you have uh, made (laughs) to listen to our podcast. And if you are an old friend, welcome back. But we are so glad to be here for you. You are not alone with your screen problems and your questions, and you've just really found your people. So today, Dr. Stacy and I are going to discuss how to get your new year started off on the right foot when it comes to screen time. We are going to start with a couple of the warning signs, but we want to go over a few myths that tend to be really loud (laughs) during the first of the year. And what I mean by that are these are myths that just tend to kind of rise to the surface during this time of year in particular. But before we do that, I just have to tell y'all that what I have noticed so much about the last month is the amount of time that we're spending at the dinner table. Of course, you do this with all your holiday meals, but with the kids being out of school, we've had so much more time to sit down as a family and just have wonderful conversations. And I think that when my kids were little, I didn't understand how important this was going to be. Um, But Dr. Stacey, I'm sure you agree that this dinner time experience and exercise is one of the best things you can do for your teenagers because this is what we this is when we learn so much about what's going on with them. So I've just been really struck this week again by the importance of this ritual. And I would love to just encourage everyone out there listening this time of year to make this a top priority. If you have not done very well with it, you know, over the last six months, this is a time to restart. And this means that you have maybe some more simple meals that you don't spend so much time cooking, you spend more time at the table. But Dr. Stacy, just before we start on this other stuff, give us some ideas about the research about why this family dinner time is so important. Of course. So, you know, um, inherent to this sort of information is that family dinners, anytime at the table should be screen-free. And there's a lot of studies that support that, that screen-free dinners actually lead to less conflict in the family overall, even not just at the table, but um, outside of the dinner time. But, you know, a, a lot of families don't eat dinner together. And a lot of teenagers grab their dinner from the kitchen and go sit in their room and they're on their devices or watching TV or whatever. And so let's just go over a little bit of information about why family dinners are so important. So first of all, family dinners mean better family relationships. And so eating meals together has the potential to strengthen family bonds. And also it re- it provides a daily time for the whole family to be together. And so I do recommend that you wait until everyone's home to have dinner. And for some of us, uh, our families, that's really late. And so sometimes the younger kids are going to need a little snack to make it to the you know time when everyone can be home, but it's really important. And there was actually a recent Columbia University study which showed that over 70% of teenagers said that they considered the sort of talking, catching up, spending time with family 
as the best part of the dinner. And so they, you know, and like in our home, I have four children and, um, and so we do highs and lows. So we go around the dinner table and everybody says what was their best part of the day and what was their worst part of the day. And we kind of talk through that. Um, it's just kind of a little bit of family therapy there on the dinner table. <laughs> Must be nice living with a therapist. <laughs> right. Um, but it doesn't have to be like a, you know, a seven course meal. I mean, sometimes it's just barbecue nachos and some cut up fruit. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that every dinner has to be some huge, amazing dinner, but yeah. just sitting together around the table all together. So next family meals lead to healthier food choices. So we see this over and over again. And there's been surveys that show that teenagers who ate dinner with their families most frequently consumed more fruits and vegetables, less soda, less fried food. So they make better choices. There are a few studies that show that eating as a family actually leads to better grades. So that's sort of interesting. And we see that if you go, you know, and ask the kids who have lower grades and the kids that have higher grades, just anecdotally, the ones that have the higher grades are the ones who say that their families sit together at dinner at night. Mm -hmm. Um, It also gives our kids a chance to explore new food. So um, kids are shown to try more foods if they see their other family members doing that. And so instead of having kids that are sort of relying on chicken nuggets and um, grilled cheese and stuff, they're more willing to try new things if you're sitting around the dinner table together. My favorite is that family dinners lead to greater happiness. And so there was some research um, of over 5,000 teenagers that showed that when children eat with their parents regularly, they're more likely to be emotionally strong and have better mental health. Actually, more likely to feel adjusted, have better manners, better communication skills. And if you think about it, that makes sense because we're sitting around with a supportive group at the table, even though siblings fight you know, and argue and right. you know, I, you know, pass me the spaghetti. No, I want the spaghetti first or you took all the salad or whatever it is, you know, but it's a time to practice manners, practice communication skills, look at each other in the eye and talk to each other. And also the effect is not restricted to just the children. So mothers who ate with their families often were also found to be happier and less stressed as compared to mothers who do that. No, I love all these things, all these, all these um, points that you're bringing up. It's almost enough just to do a whole nother show on it, but it is, it is so, I think the thing about the stress, I, that's what I've seen. It just gives your kids this time to kind of de-stress in a really safe place. And it's regular. It's every 24 hours, (laughs) you know. And actually there have been studies that have shown specifically that family dinners relieve stress. So they did a study at BYU where there was a big um, corporation where they studied the employees and found that the parents, it was actually working moms who sat down to a family meal actually felt less stress from their long day of work. Yeah. So, I mean, actually it's a stress reliever. And then other things like it saves money to eat home together, mm-hmm. homemade meals promote portion control, family dinners mean healthier kids. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great evidence about family dinner. Well, that, that was just something that was really heavy on my mind um, today as I started looking at our show today. I just want, this is such a good time of year, right, to start this Absolutely. new habit. So today, Dr. Stacy, in our short time here that we have, let's, Let's run through some of the myths that I think are just so just so in our face, I think, this time of year. And and before we do that, I, I just want to throw out some warning signs to parents because I think, again, this time of year, it's really good to kind of reassess where you are um, on our website and on our online course that we have for parents. We have a whole thing about, you know, how to know if your kids are overusing their screens and all that. But just a couple things that that 
that might be helpful is to call out a couple, a couple warning signs right now. So if you feel that screens are controlling your home, if you are starting to get angry at your child a lot or fighting with your spouse, I think this happens a lot over the nuances of how do we limit and how much is enough and how um, what kind of screens are we going to allow that can start to cause some conflict with your spouse? Maybe you're finding that you are managing everything else in your life around screen time. That is a warning sign that screens are taking over. Or maybe you are searching endlessly on Google for that quick answer, the quick fix. I'm kind of cracking up when I'm thinking about this because we do this for everything in our life, right? If we need to fix something, we just Google it. Absolutely. So if you find yourself, you know, look in your history and see, hey, how many times am I searching for how do I get my kids off their screen? This podcast is definitely for you. If you are thinking about the chaos every day and if it tends to be daily, if you're walking on eggshells, you know, about even when three o'clock hits and the kids are coming home and it was so nice over the holidays when you were able to just do other things and, or, or maybe over the holidays you had the opposite thing happen and maybe you got too immersed in the, the limits and all of the, you know, ability to say no just went out the window and maybe they got too much screen time and now you're kind of glad they're back in school. But if basically, if you're just tired and frustrated and you're just about to throw the towel in, please continue to listen to what we're going to have to say today about how to fix this problem in your home. Help is here. We have helped many, many families dig their way out of the quicksand that they're in. So first of all, you are not crazy. So Dr. Stacey, I don't know about you, but I know when I was dealing with this, with my oldest, especially, I just felt so alone. I felt like I was nuts. I just felt like I was the only person that was struggling with this. So I I'm just telling you out there, you are not crazy. All of these things that you're experiencing are very, unfortunately, they're very common um, in our culture today. But we believe, Dr. Stacey and I believe that with education, all of a sudden you can change your actions and you get confidence to do the right thing. And so we wanted to talk with y'all today about a couple of the myths. We feel like this is a really good way to start the new year. So let's just start, Dr. Stacy, with the first myth. So the first one that, that I thought of was this myth that balance and moderation is the key to screen health. And this, this comes up this time of year, because this is the time of year where we kind of take a look at a lot of things in our life, like our exercise habits and our eating habits and all these other habits that we tend to have. So this is a time of year where we take inventory and we say, okay, you know, I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to start doing this, 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 this. So we tend to also do this with screen time for our kids. And we think, okay, I'm going to get it under control and we are going to balance better and we're going to moderate the use of these screens. And what we want to tell you that this is a myth because while it is a good thing to moderate and balance good things like eating and exercise, it, it is very dangerous to try to moderate things that can lead to destruction like toxic screen use. And when we say toxic screen use, we're talking about uh, overuse of smartphones, social media and video games, and of course, pornography and all the other toxic content that's out there that our kids are exposed to. So 
Dr. Stacy, I think um, you could also comment on this, how we we want to balance good things, but we don't want to balance bad things. And I think it's pretty simple when you look at it that way. But I think I think our culture doesn't look at it that way, right? So what are some examples of things that are good to balance? Of course, food. You know, yeah, we got to eat food. So that's really good. We need to balance food. We've got to balance even exercise. Some people can exercise too much. But those are good things. Well, and I think it's with anything, like all things in moderation, like is what we say. But when we're saying that, and that's, you know, you hear that all the time, all things in moderation. When we're saying that, we're not talking about things that are like alcohol for the alcoholic or right. drugs right. or, um, you know, doing things that you shouldn't do that hurt other people. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. And so the more and more research that comes out about smartphones, especially in younger people, there's no quote screen health at all for right. people that are young. Well, okay? and like exactly that that you just nailed it. It's the age. So even things like sex, okay, that's fine for adults. That's not fine for kids. So you don't balance that, right? There are certain things that are age appropriate to balance or just not to do. Right. So, you know, I think that's, you know, we all want to be balanced and everything's about, you know, all things in moderation. But I think that when we think from that viewpoint, we have to look at things in moderation that are okay for us, right? And we're not thinking about the differences in kids' brains and adult brains and how, you know, and it's not anything that's necessary or required. And so let's just hold off on that. Yeah. And, you know, I think of drinking too. It's totally fine to have a social drink if you're an adult and you're out and you have a glass of wine with dinner. But that's not what we do for our kids. We don't balance alcohol for our kids. Right. And there's, yeah, there's evidence to show that that's dangerous to do with kids. And so we want to do what's healthy and, you know, screens for young kids are it's just not healthy. So it's a myth for us to say moderation in all things. And yet it's such a popular thing in our culture because that's just a buzz statement out there that we we just believe. We just believe that it's always good to moderate everything, but it's not. And I also want to just say with this one is that our kids get plenty of technology in their day-to-day life. So it's screen strong. We do not say no screens in your house. That's not what we say. We've never said that. We naturally get enough. They naturally get enough of, and and even more than they need, you know, in school. What we are talking about is not moderating the bad uh, use of screens that can really get out of control, which we know are the issues with social media and, and video games. So we're not screen free. We are talking about getting rid and not balancing and not moderating the screens that are bad for our kids. We do not have an extreme on this, but you know, every now and then we get criticism to say, Oh, you just think you should show, you should throw all your screens out the window. No, that is not at all what we think. I think people that have that extreme program in their head, you know, are the ones that get more in trouble. So the summary here is that balance and moderation is not the key to your screen problems. So next we have the myth of we can monitor and track our kids' screen time. So, you know, this is the time of year when we write that new chore chart and we think that we can track screen time. 
I don't even think that can last a day. Like, unless you're riding around on your kid's shoulder all day long and watching what they're doing, I don't think that you can do that. So if your kid has a smartphone or a game console, especially one that they can hold in their hand, or they have a tablet even that they carry around, it's impossible to track the amount of time that's spent. So, I mean, you can put timers on there and you can do screen time settings and all of that stuff, but you can't really monitor them all the time. Like I said, unless you have the time to literally follow them around everywhere they go. So yeah. you might do it for a day or you might could do it for a few days, but that's really not a sustainable solution to screen problems. And if you talk to parents about this idea of monitoring the majority or maybe all of them, I mean, you know, you hate to say hundred percent, but like they'll say, well, you know, we tried and then we just gave up and just let them do whatever. Cause it's like, it was too hard to do. Well, of course it's too hard. So right. if you're, if you're a mom, dad out there listening to this and you feel like a failure because you feel like all your other friends are monitoring and tracking their kids scream time, they are not. And you are mm-hmm. not a failure. It's just impossible. It is mm-hmm. 100% impossible to track every single thing your child is doing on a screen. And I don't know, maybe it's not impossible. Maybe if you sit with them, like you just said, and co-view with them for 24 hours every day, maybe you could see what they're doing, but that's never going to happen. And the realistic world of parenting with, you know, a couple kids in your house, this is not going to work. So please, please get yourself off this hook of thinking that you're, you're, you know, a bad parent because you can't monitor this. We are here to tell you that you can't and that's okay. And nobody can. And I love what you just said, Dr. Stacey, about the chore thing, because, oh, I just grinned when you said that, because haven't we all put that chore chart up there? (laughs) And um, if you have really little kids, you might think, well, I'm really good at this. <laughs> this is I mean, really working. Out, if you're a mom out there, think about how many times you've started some new thing. And sometimes <laughs> we stick with them and they're great. But, you know, like we start swear jars. You know, when somebody says something they shouldn't say, you put some money in the jar. You start, you know, like yeah. the check off, everybody does their chore. And then, you know, some things stick. But yeah. The majority of those things over time aren't don't get done. And so then no. you just we'll forget it. We'll try. It's a good it. idea. You know, I, I like to say it's good on paper and um, it makes you feel good to say that you're going to do this. But you know what? We know that it doesn't work and we're here to, you know, be here to support you and to say, no, you're a perfectly great parent, but uh, you know, this isn't going to work. So what the summary of this myth is, is that monitoring screen time is not the answer to your screen problems. And isn't it funny, Dr. Stacy? how I just, this just hit me. I think it's really funny how we think that monitoring and keeping track and setting the timer and doing, it makes us feel like we're doing something. So I think maybe that's why everybody does it. We say, oh, well, yeah, he's watching porn, but I'm monitoring it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like we feel like we're doing something. But the reality is we're here to tell you today, we're here to bust the myth and we're here to say it out loud. Monitoring screen time is not the answer to your screen problem. Okay. Let me, let me just read the, uh, here I have my notes here on on the third one. Oh, I love this one. The optimism bias. Isn't this true this time of year? You know, everything's new and fresh and this kind of happens in the spring as well sometime, but especially the new year, we just start to be desensitized to how bad the problem really is. And we believe that screen time problems are not that bad. And this is a myth. 
This is a myth. Screen problems are very serious. But this time of year, we tend to think, okay, it's not that bad. We've got it under control and we are very optimistic. So Dr. Stacy, what do you have to say about this one? Well, I have a personal experience to share and I haven't even told you about this, Melanie, but over the holidays, I had a few days where I just didn't have anything on my schedule mm-hmm. and um, we, we just didn't have really a lot going on. And so, you know, I, I spend a lot of my time working with teenagers and we do a lot of stuff about screens. And I see a lot of athletes. And so I had this idea that, you know, the average teenager spends about nine hours a day on entertainment media on their phone. So, you know what I did is I decided I was going to do that, that I was going to spend, I don't recommend this, but I was going to spend nine hours a day for three days on my phone. Wow. You did like an experiment. Yeah. I downloaded some new games. I, you know, I didn't get on TikTok because I I don't know, but I downloaded some new games. I, you know, Facebook and Instagram, whatever. And I spent nine hours a day on my phone. And you know what happened, Melanie, and this has never happened before is I got depressed. And I've never been depressed in my whole life. Luckily, you know, I mean, I, I know you've told me that depression. before when we've talked about depression that you just, yes. you just, I'm not, you know, I'm not very anxious. I'm just a pretty, um, maybe I need to be a little more anxious, but <laughs> no, it was horrible. It was really horrible. And so oh it gave gosh. me a lot of empathy for these kids that I work with because they don't realize that this is what's causing some of their issues. Now there's depression that's not caused by screens, but it's a confounding factor. And for some, it's actually causing it. And so, you know, we put on these rose colored glasses in the new year and think that, oh, it's not that bad. It's our kids, not that bad. Like technology's here to stay, you know? And so, um, I just want to say that like, it really is that bad. And I don't recommend doing that. I really don't, especially if you're predisposed to any kind of mental health problems, because I, I really felt horrible. Like I could feel this sense of sort of what the dopamine dump was doing to, and I'm an adult. And so like, it's wow. way worse for a teenager because their brains are a lot more reactive, overactive, hyper, you know, a lot different than an adult brain is. So that is just really making me so sad. Like I'm getting kind of choked up because you basically induced a very unnecessary depressive state. Right. And this is what we're allowing to happen in our home. And the fact that you are an adult, a mom, a psychiatrist, a mom of four, like you're very mature. Our kids aren't. No wonder they're getting so sick. When they, and they aren't, they don't have the benefit of knowing what's wrong with them. Right. And so they just know that they feel sad. They feel less loved. They feel more anxious. They feel disconnected. And so they don't, you know, I had the benefit of knowing, like, I'm going into this knowing, I was kind of hoping that wouldn't be the case, right? And so I could be like, well, maybe that's, you know, but it just proved what we already know, which is that spending that much time staring at a screen for entertainment is so bad for our brains. And so things, the reality is things are this bad. And just because the culture says they're not, that's, that's just not true. Just like, you know, I mean, when my mom was um, raising me and my siblings, when I was really little, everybody smoked, everybody smoked. It's yeah. not that bad. Everybody does Not that it. bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. we all know now that's not the case. Yeah. And I, if you're, if y'all are listening today and you're really struggling with this, we're not trying to make you feel worse than maybe you already feel, but we do not like sugarcoat anything over here. It is very serious. 
I don't think we, as a culture, I know as a culture, we don't take this serious enough, the amount of stress. And like you just said, even after three days of nine hours a day, you're going into a depression, the trauma that our kids are exposed to when you build a character in a video game, for example, and then your character gets shot and killed. That is very traumatic for a child. The emotional scars that are left. And you know, Dr. Stacey, we do want to do um, a show on the uh, childhood trauma and how that affects us later in life. And that is a whole nother thing that we are going to share with this audience, but just the stress, the trauma, the emotional scars that are left in the course of depression. So please do not be overly positive and optimistic about how this is hurting your kids. Or if you think it's not hurting your kids, do not get desensitized to what the culture says and use this time of year to get grounded again. The summary for this myth is that being positive, while it's wonderful to be positive in many areas of life, but being positive in this area, it is not the solution to this problem. Being positive is not the solution. You can't think it away or will it away or just wake up and say, well, this year I'm just going to be really positive and I'm not going to think, no, 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 no. This is very, very serious. And you should not be depressed about it, but you should be motivated to do something about it. Yeah. And that we're here to support you in that change. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And that we have the community to support you. We have the words for you. We have the books for you. We have the course for you. We have all these things that will help you. So the fourth one that we're going to do today, we just are going to touch on these four today. The fourth one is that my kids are mature. It's a new year and I'm finally seeing glimpses of progress. And I love talking about this particular myth because it nails something that most parents are going to miss, right? If they don't hear it. (laughs) And so what the myth is, is just because you see a glimpse of a positive, mature behavior in your child does not make them mature. But Dr. Stacy, time and time again, I'm sure you see in your office, parents come in there and say, but they do this and they do this. And, and this year she started, you know, doing this and they changed the cat box yesterday and I didn't even ask them to. And now they, you know, can drive a car. I think they're really mature. All these things are wonderful, but it is just a glimpse. It's just a piece of this huge puzzle that has to happen in their brain before they're going to be ready for the negative effects of all this screen time. So it's not, I guess, again, just to kind of sum this one up, just because your kids are showing signs of progress does not mean that you plug everything in and hand them that phone. And I think this happens around the age of 16. I think parents think, oh, now they're 16, they're driving, they're so mature. I'm going to go ahead and give them the tidal wave of the phone. Bad, bad, bad idea. I agree. You know, I I had some kids at my house recently and one of the kids was, um, has not had a smartphone and, you know, his parents decided that he was mature enough now for one. And he spent his entire time watching videos on YouTube on the smartphone while the other kids were hanging out together. So, um, not, I'm not judging that parents, you know, action. I'm just stating a fact that these kids (laughs) just don't do it. I mean, they're just not ready. (laughs) What's the point? 
but and I do I do think that around eighth grade, around fourteen, and then fifteen, and I think fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, it's this age where we think they're turning the corner. And let me tell you, they are turning a corner. But let me tell you what corner they're turning. They're not turning a corner as far as becoming, um, you know, more becoming, you know, less mature and whatever. They're not turning. What am I trying to say? They're not really growing up all the way. They are doing like a U-turn. They are opening a whole world during this age where they are becoming actually really more immature in a lot of ways. I've always said this. Remember, you know, I've said this to you before, even Dr. Stacey, that I think a fifth grader is almost more mature than an eighth grader when it comes to using a phone because they'll still do what you tell them to do when they're in fifth grade. Well, and their brains just get a lot more reactive at that age and they're a lot willing to push the limits. And the risk taking, it's, yeah. it's the risk taking. Right. And, and so when you think that they're getting more mature, they're really not, the full puzzle is not there. I mean, maybe they're making a step here, but it's almost like one step forward, two steps backwards. This is the phase that we're in right now during that adolescent stage. So please don't wake up this new year and think, oh my goodness, it's a new slate and we're starting fresh they're starting to show signs of maturity. So I'm going to give them more rope, you know, to hang themselves. We're not going to do this this year. Exposure grows maturity when it's the right exposure to the right thing. When they are exposed to you, when you are their mentor, when you are guiding them, but exposure to all the wrong things and all of the neutral things, even out there, it does not grow maturity time time is what it takes. It takes a lot of time. There's nothing you can do to speed it up either. So I don't know, to summarize this one, finding examples of the time when our kid was mature last week does not mean that they are mature enough for the toxic screen use they want to do. And it does not solve the screen problems in your home. This is a huge myth. All right. We got everybody kind of realizing that they are believing the wrong things here. About these so what are we going to do? Think a lot of parents deep down believe all of these things, but they're, it's just so hard to chart your own course when every other family is on a different course. So let's just throw out some tips. So, uh, so my first tip is to say no to smartphones and video games throughout adolescence. Huh, it's so much easier <laughs> than yeah. trying to manage everything. So that's where we are over here at Screen Strong. We're going to show you more about how to, how to do that. So I love the idea of introducing new hobbies. So, you know, you get this huge dopamine hit from these digital devices, and that's not where we want this sense of reward to come from. We want this to come from hard work. We want this to come from learning new things, creating things. So you may not have a kid who's real into art or music, but they may be into writing or reading or playing games or woodworking. I mean, there are kids mm -hmm. out there who don't even know yeah. what they're good at because they don't do it. They just sit and watch other kids do it on YouTube. Right, right. Right. And I love the primary source of dopamine should never come from a digital device. Ever. Absolutely. So if that's one good New Year's resolution that you can make um, to just say that the dopamine in your house is coming from real stuff, from really good stuff, from healthy stuff and not from digital devices. I think another resolution, which is actually what we're talking about resolutions here now that I think about it. Um, another resolution is to start new traditions. Start at least one new tradition and start it now. And when I say a tradition, I don't mean something that happens over the holidays. I mean something that happens on a regular basis. 
in your home. And there are so many things that we can do. And I would love to bring some moms on soon to talk about traditions that they're doing now that they're screen strong. One thing I can think of right off the bat um, is a tradition to do something really fun that's a cultural thing every month with your kids. Even if they're little, take them to a play, take them to the symphony, take them something that's age appropriate, but get out of the house together, you know, kind of get dressed up, go do something fun and make that a tradition and start moving away from the screens, providing all the fun in your house. The next one, what's another one? What do you have? So I have to be a strong parent. Oh, yeah. And don't look to the culture on this particular thing. Now, our Mm culture is not all bad. I love American culture, right? I mean, I love the freedoms. I love, you know, a lot of things about our country. But I think that it's really important to really stand your ground on this one particular thing. So look what's best for what's within the walls of your home for your kids and your family. And I know that you do this as a mom, not you, Melanie, but everyone that's listening. I mean, all of us, when it comes to what your kids eat, what activities, who you let them hang out with at, at other people's homes or where you send them to school. So put this in that same category. Right. So you and whoever is parenting your children with you, you're the ones who can change the culture in your own home. And I say this over and over again, change your family culture. Your family culture is up to you. Yeah. Wow. That's a great resolution. I, I think we have say no to smartphones and video games, introduce new hobbies, start new traditions, be the strong parent you need to be. And you know what? The final one I'm going to end on is just slow down this year. Just slow down. What about if you take a whole year off of social media and video games? Isn't that a wonderful concept? (laughs) You know, not forever, but just for this year. Just make this the year that you're going to really, really, really slow down. And even from that mindless TV binging thing that happens, you know, we, we can get in that loop as well. But I think slowing down is always good. Um, there's never anything bad about that um, when you're trying to reset your home. So it is really hard to restart all this in the new year, Dr. Stacy. I mean, it's, it's tough for parents out there. Um, you know, maybe even over Christmas holidays, things have kind of gotten a little loose, you know, maybe they, they kind of got out of control. So we've got to, we've got to reel it in. We've got to remember these myths that we talked about today. And we have to get, we have to get our head in the game, you know, cause it, cause it slides, right? We're not perfect. Absolutely. We can use this time of year though. This is the perfect time of year to get re-engaged with this issue, to go on our website to read some of the books that we have recommended to finally get that course. If you get five families together, you get a really good discount on the course. Um, you know, we have to remember Dr. Stacy, that all kids are happier without smartphones. We know this from the research and this isn't our opinion. Got to stop listening to so many opinions out there. You've got to really focus on the hardcore science on this. And, uh, Jean Twenge's research on this is really clear that kids are happier without all this stuff. So final words of encouragement, Dr. Stacy, today. You know, I just want to encourage parents that you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and we say this all the time on this podcast and on on the course. Like, I just want to encourage parents that if you have a kid that is screen dependent on toxic screens, 
it's going to be okay. Like you can take it away. You can readjust your family culture. You can reset your course. And it's not that it's not going to be difficult at first, but in the long run, it's, it's going to be great. And so I just want parents to understand that we're here to support you and we know that you can do it and we do it in our house. And I know lots of other families that do it. And so reach out to us if you have questions or need support. And that's what we're here for. Thank you so much. And thank you for jumping on today. I know this is crazy as we get our year going, but this has been so helpful and this is going to help so many people. And I just want to say, Dr. Stacey, thank you so much for helping us. We are writing together. Dr. Stacey and I are writing a booklet for your tweens. This has been our biggest request. And so we are excited to get this book done. It's going to be done pretty soon. And there will be some other pieces of media to go with it. We will have a um, an online experience for them as well. But Dr. Stacy, thank you so much. I'm excited about this year and what's going to happen. Me too. I'm really looking forward to what this year has in store for us. And we're so looking forward to helping as many families as we can, as many kids and teenagers and parents to sort of... Um, chart a new course for their family. Thank you again, Dr. Stacy, And I hope that everyone enjoyed listening today. This was so fun to just get back in the groove over here and to get our plans over here at Screen Strong set and ready for you this year. We have so many um, ideas and things that we're working on. If you have any suggestions for anything you need, please email us at team at screenstrong.com. I want to remind you that our parent online course, of course, is available for you to gather your friends. And like we talked about a minute ago, to start your small group, do this now at the beginning of the year. This is such a great time to start, you know, before the weather gets really, really pretty, (laughs) you can have maybe six weeks, you call your friends and have them get together once a week and go over the lessons and the course together. It really, really helps to have a community. We also have bulk rates and bulk rate pricing for your school. So if your admin wants to contact us, they can find out what it would take to have this course available to every parent in your school. Wouldn't that be awesome if all the parents in your kid's class were educated on this issue and were on the same page? That would be so great. So we also have a quick announcement. We have a new year 30-day screen detox starting in February on our online forum on our site. So please make plans to join us for that. It's so much easier to remove toxic screens from your house when you have help and support. And so Dr. Stacy and I will be answering questions in there daily for you the month of February. Just email us for more information. If you go to our website, you're going to see more information about how to get in there and sign up for that. You can, of course, always go to team at screenstrong.com to get your questions answered and just to, to sign up. But look for more information on our homepage. Don't forget to join Screen Strong by signing up on our site. Our Screen Strong Families Facebook group is a great way to get connected initially, but our private online forum is where it's at. And that's where you want to be. And that's where Dr. Stacy and I will be in this year. We are making a commitment to spend a lot of time in there with you, answering your questions and helping you. So what's your homework today? <sighs> We've had a, a lot to cover today, but be really honest with yourself about the biases that you have and the myths that you believe, it is the hardest thing to do. Trust me, I know. I know how hard it is to sort of step away from 
from your body and turn around and look and see what you're doing and see what you're believing. It is so hard. I think it's just the hardest human thing to do, but you have to be honest with yourself. Re-listen to part of this podcast if you need to, to really think about those biases that you might have and start doing something different. Start planning to host some get-together activities with your kids and their friends at your house this year. That might be one of your new traditions that you have your kids' friends over uh, one Friday night every month. They get to pick what they want to do and you provide the food. Make it a tradition. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen and you have to make it regular. Don't forget your family dinners. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Uh, Make that a priority this year that you're going to really be consciously planning (laughs) and be aware of the time spent around the family dinner table. And again, like what I have loved so much about this is not just the time eating, but the time spent afterwards and conversation, just carve that out and make that a priority. Share this podcast, please, uh, with your friends. It's a perfect way to break the ice with your new friends. It's the perfect way to break the ice with your old friends. (laughs) Have them listen to this podcast and maybe have some discussions about it. We're very excited about the schedule this year for our podcast. I know you will be too. Remember that this podcast and sharing the information that we have here is the perfect way to begin to create that village that you and your kids need to get through this wonderful stage of adolescence and being screen strong while they are tweens and teens. Thank you for joining us today. And we want to wish you the happiest new year, a new year where you will look back and be so excited about the changes you made in this whole area of screens in your kids' lives. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you figure it out. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Mm